This podcast is proudly brought to you by Infinity Media, incubating innovative businesses in the media industry. Hi, I'm Gordon Muller. I'm the guru in the Doc and Guru podcast. Thanks for being with us. For those of you who don't know me, I've spent over 40 years in the media industry in South Africa and uh, pretty much made it my home, my life, my passion. I have other passions, unfortunately, for my sins. I'm an Arsenal supporter and a Shark supporter, so we're going to do pretty much everything on the show as it pertains to media, marketing and money, but we don't take jokes about Arsenal or the Sharks. I'm Doug Mateus, uh, the doc on the show. Uh, and again, for those of you who don't know me, I've I spent 30 years in, in uh, various companies in South Africa uh, running uh, different marketing functions. And the last job I had, I was privileged in, uh, enough to work with a team that took uh, the brand to the fastest growing brand in South Africa in 2018 with a 47% year-on-year growth. So that was a, a great achievement uh, for the team and, and, and I'm really proud of that. Uh, from a personal point of view, I do a little bit of cycling uh, and also snow skiing. So we quite enjoy that. But again, uh, today's discussion is around all things marketing and media. Yep, that's right, Doc. All things marketing and media. No subject too big, no topic too small, no subject too hot to handle please get in touch with us on our facebook page follow us like us whatever it takes we would love you to be involved with the show and uh, we really want to make it as inclusive and as energetic as i know this industry is capable of gordon how's it going it's going well indeed i'm looking forward to the discussion today with uh Rainer, and you're going to introduce him more formally a little bit later on. But yeah, I think it's uh, an interesting discussion this morning, a little bit off uh, our normal menu, which is which is really exciting. Yeah, and an old friend of ours, uh, and I say old in the nicest possible way, a, a guy who I met 25 years ago, Rainer Behrens, um, from Huntless Chorus at that stage. He looked after our account at Nasha. Rainer, thanks very much today. You're the CEO of, of Franschuk Winery and Tourism. Um, thanks very much for taking the time to spend with us. Thank you, uh, Doug, and uh, hello to you and Gordon. Um, it's uh, it's like uh, talking the old days. Yeah, know, I just want to check one thing before we go too much further down the line. You're still wearing that bow tie, but you can't actually wear it with a pair of shorts. You know that, eh? Uh, I'm on with a bow tie today. I've got my fellies on, and uh, you know. But you, uh, I will not be seen without my bow ties. It's one of those things which I would probably li- later talk about is the importance of building your personal brand. Well, just, I mean, you've always been a style aficionado in the industry up here. You know, you set the trends. Now, I want to just check with you. This is a really important issue here. Do you spell Feldskuns with a D or without a D? Feldskun. It's met a fell. It's a Feldskun, is it me? All right, you just probably taken a million off the sales there uh, of Feldskunz. Uh, uh, this, uh, this, this was in the Oda Harvest. This shoe and all the shoes come with a D. I'm so afraid they do. Yeah, you got to. Ex- can throw their toys out the car, but that's the way you spell it these days. It looks. Now you yeah. got to explain, uh, Gordon, to listeners from abroad, 
what is a felskun. It's all fine for South Africans. If you would like to know the difference between a felskun and a felskun, just contact us on the Duck and Guru podcast. Uh, on Facebook, it's probably going to be easiest, and I will give you uh, a very, very comprehensive explanation of the two. But felskuns and uh, the Western Cape uh, go hand in hand. So, Rana, tell us a little bit about where you are. I know you're in the Franschhoek Valley as the CEO, I think, of Franschhoek Wine Valley and Tourism. Um, what does that mean? You know, uh, how does it work? There's so many uh, disparate interests and, and such a variable uh, offering down there. How do, how do you package it all together to make it uh, attractive yeah. to the global traveler? Well, in a nutshell, uh, Gordon, it's, um, it, it's, a, it's a position or a, it's an organization, an NGO that represents a, a, it's a member-driven organization and it represents the core of the hospitality industry and, and in our case, the winery industry, or what we call the vinerons. And um, the overall, uh, call it objective or expectation of this office is to, in, to uh, first of all, be an information office. So we have uh, an office in, in the village, which ultimately is there to assist visitors who have come in and ask all kinds of questions, want maps, want to know where to go for the day, for the week. And then the other side of the equation really is the marketing of the valley in terms of uh, on behalf of the members. And um, that obviously has various uh, uh, pillars or executions attached to it. Um, but that really is, is, is the core. And then, like in anything else, I've got one of the most amazing products um, to market, and that's the Franschhoek Valley. And it's often, you know, if you, and that makes it in a way very easy, but it makes it also very difficult because it's very easy to take a, a wonderful product like this for granted because in the many ways it sells itself. Um, but yeah, that's in a nutshell. So it's uh, it's really making sure, like we were just given the award of or the uh, uh, we were just noted that we were on the fifteenth position of the twenty five top emerging worldwide destinations on TripAdvisor. Wow! So, it, uh, so we are. Um, this is a special place, and our challenge is to keep on keeping it special in a way and making sure that people come and visit us. All those skills that you you, know, you learn in your, in your years and agencies and running you know, some of the biggest campaigns this country's ever seen, I mean, how much of those are transportable? Are you drawing on those skills? You know, at the end of the day, you can't just sort of do a magnificent 30-second commercial, lob it on TV and get the results. How, how are you sort of honing your marketing and, and advertising skills to, to work in a specifically geolocated area like that? Yeah, um, it's a good question. I think there are two parts to it. One is, 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 is the product and, and how do you advertise or how do you communicate nowadays? I think the word advertising sometimes conjures just up television. Yeah. Um, so, you know, how do you communicate that to, to the outside world? And the other one is, and it's a little bit like in, in the agency, you've got clients. I, my clients, similar to what we had in the agencies, are my members. And uh, in a way, it, because each member pays a fee, a membership fee every year, there's a certain expectation that you've got to meet. And the same probably applies 
simply or in, in a simple way the same as you have a client in an agency who pays for a piece of work or pays a, a monthly fee and for that they get a certain service and uh, I think over the years having been on on that side of the business in, in the agency world um, those lessons of being able to work with either a very large client or a very small client and hopefully being able to give them a sense that both of them have a valuable contribution to make to the business and you will obviously give both of them the um, the value that they you know that they want is 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 probably the most important part from what I've been able to take from the past well, I guess you know Ryan and I guess you know because you and I worked closely together for many years uh, as, as as I mentioned earlier and I think that's exactly it says so those skills that Gordon was saying is transferable transportable skills and it's largely about working with people, I guess, you know, understanding their need, uh, where they are in, on their journey, uh, and, the, and then relaying. And I think a good grounding is the world of client service in, in the advertising business because you do deal with such a diverse range of clients uh, with, with very different expectations. I mean, most of it is around success, and I guess it's the same now, you know, in the valley with different, you know. And, and let's just talk a little bit about, you know, you've got art galleries, you've got restaurants, you've got pop-up stores, wineries. There's a whole lot of different clients of different sizes. Exactly. Uh, uh, maybe just to add to the to a little bit of the past, I think the other thing one has to remember, you have, uh, in a way, two sets of, uh, of clients. And being in our, the business or the where I was is that the you had an external client, you had an internal client. Because remember, the job has always been to marry what the expectation was to what you're going to deliver. Mm. And in our case, to be a, you know, to be successful in terms of really giving your client the maximum uh, uh, return for his, you know, or really make sure that they, the brief, the brief is met. To put it similarly, is you had to also be able to to, to manage. Your creative teams, you had to manage your traffic, you, had, you know, all those yeah. institutions inside an agency. And it doesn't matter how good you are with your client, but if you can't get the work out of an agency, then you also, it, you know, it, it's not long before that uh, becomes a big problem. Sure. So it is ultimately coming back to being able to work with different people, different times, and really taking time to understand and building relationships and relationships overall whether you're it's your own relationship or any relationship takes time and energy and commitment and it's often easier said than done mm. um and and that comes back to your second question here when you talk about art galleries you talk about restaurants you talk about wine farms uh, accommodation it could be a five-star hotel or a, uh, a self-catering unit um, a business is it's still ultimately making the time to hopefully be able to see, go and talk to them, see their, their premises. It's get is to get to know the business. Um, because doing that, you can first of all have a conversation mm. with your uh, with your client or whatever that might be. And secondly, is uh, through the conversation, you can often come up with great ideas and you can make recommendations. But you have to have the ability to start that conversation. Um, and and the only way you're going to do it is by taking time to get to know the person's business. Yeah, which was one of the things I was going to ask you is you know that uh, 
so often people are trying to run relationships, you know, when the client and the agency are in separate towns. I mean, for something like, you know, the, the, the Franschhoek Wine Valley Tourism Grouping, do you have to be geolocated there? Can you run the business from, you know, from, from Joba? Can you run it from Cape Town? Or is it crucial at this level of marketing that you really are ingrained into the community? Yeah, I think you can you can live outside the valley and work in the valley, but you can't live and work outside the valley. So you're absolutely right, Gordon. This is a people's business. I mean, this is hospitality. This is, um, it's about people. It's unequivocally about people. It's your tourist as a person, the person who, who, who you know, provides accommodation, provides a meal, um, keeps the village safe, um, is at the front desk of a, of, a, of a guest house. It's unequivocally all about people. It's about service. Um, it's about listening, not hearing. It's really listen to what they say or what they want or what they've asked for. But it's a, it's a people's business. And to get to know the people's business, you can't do it long distance. You, you have to be in the valley every day, a little bit of walking the streets and, and, and touching sides with your um, with your, uh, uh, with your, you know, with your market, if mm. I can put it there. Yeah. Question for you, Doc, quickly. Uh, you know, I mean, you, yeah. you, you've <clears throat> run agencies, you've run campaigns. What's your feeling? Do you have to be at arm's length with your agency or do you have to have an intimate kind of face-to-face? -face? I mean, can you do on a, uh, a FaceTime you know, kind of electronic meeting what you used to do across a desk? Sure. Gordon, I, I come from the old school. Um, and although I work in the new school and I think you've got all this amazing technology and who knows with what's happening in the world at the moment, we'll probably find ourselves in future communicating far more this way than actually shaking hands. Um, but I still firmly believe, yes, there are times where you can probably communicate indirectly via channels, but the true real relationships actually come at the end of the day when you sit across the relevant person. Um, you know, and I firmly believe that. I still believe that is what it's about. Um, and if you don't make the time to do that, yes, there are times in the interim where you can stay in touch via uh, phone or email or, or um, online. But um, ultimately, it's about being able to sit down with the person and hopefully in their environment and really understanding the business and trying to, because that's, I think, the only way you ultimately can then help them in, in also proactively come up with something that they might not see because you see it from a different angle. I think it's so pivotal, Ron, and I think, you know, in today's fast-paced, fast food, fast, fast whatever world we live in, there's still a place for time, and I think one of the lessons that, that we like to share with people, who listeners to the podcast is all things marketing and media and everything in between. And I think that's part of part of what you're hearing is the need to actually invest the time. And I think the fundamental basis of any relationship is open dialogue, open conversation that does take time and then followed very closely thereafter with a great degree of trust. And I think, you know, just um, kind of going from that to the next point, um, in terms of, of young people looking to get into the workforce, looking to get into business, is there any advice that you would share that you would share with your own kids? Yeah, yeah. Um, 
it's, it's, it's a difficult one because I think every case brings its own circumstances. Um, but if one wants to, my first point would be is don't, don't marry or don't think your first job is your job for life. Mm. Uh, except if you've got an incredible bit of passion that you just love pets to death in inverted commas and you want to become a vet, mm. then go. But what I'm trying to say is what I've probably learned and it's helped me a lot is just travel, open your mind, get to know the world. And probably now more than ever, the world changes so fast and don't try and find yourself a job forever now. You might have to in the short term because circumstances force you. But if you can broaden your mind, just go and explore. And and sometimes that exploration doesn't, obviously first prize is to travel. And travel sometimes doesn't mean I've got to go on an aeroplane and go off to, you know, who knows where. It's travel your own country, maybe. Go and see what happens around you. Mm. Um, so that, and I, I think talking as a South African or somebody or a person who's grown up in Africa across the continent is, you know, we all also often tend to go and look for something behind the mountain when some of the beauty stares at you in front of the mountain. Mm. So go and travel, get to know your country, get to know your people. Um, you know, never mind what business you, you go into. And then the other thing I would say is, it's more the exploring mentality of explore also when you are in a business as a youngster. Mm. Um, don't be afraid. Don't cling on to that job description which says, you know, uh, these are the three things to go, that I will do. And God forbid, I'm not going to do the, fourth, the yeah. fourth thing because it's not on my job description. Mm. Um, I, you know, the job description is there as a guide. And unfortunately, it, it gets used uh, or get, it gets pulled out of a file at the at, at the tough moments when somebody starts arguing with you that you haven't done your job or you feel that you're doing more than your job it requires. But mm. I think explore even inside your job. Do stuff that might not be on your job but gives you the experience, gives you the exposure, rises you above your colleague next to you because ultimately you want to move on and you want to learn. And you are going to make mistakes, so don't be afraid about that. Mm. And I think it's, it's a hackneyed expression, but, you know, you've got to take risks, otherwise you're not going to get anywhere. You're listening to The Dark and the Guru, proudly brought to you by Infinity Media. So for me, it's, 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 the, it's the exploring, it's the proactiveness. And the other thing I would always say to them, to, to youngsters, is get involved in something other than your job. Mm. You know, sometimes if you're a good sports person stay with the club do mm. something with other people do something with a team of people For, go and join a theatre group or go and join a, a, you know, an NGO or, but, but do something else other than your daily job within the society because um, for me, it brings two things. One, it brings you self-confidence. You get to know yourself. That's critical. Mm-hmm. A lot of young people don't know themselves at all. They always worry about their weaknesses and forget to trade on their strengths. Mm. And the other thing is you build a network. Mm. I mean, I think part of my fantastic journey was just the ability and the opportunity to build a network. 
It's and just, um, yeah. you only do that if you move out of your comfort zone. Yeah. Just talking about that journey a bit, I mean, you know, you, you've experienced what many people might consider the, the sort of the golden age of advertising, run, running some of the biggest ad agencies in the country. When you reflect on that now, um, because when I go around to agencies and I do a lot of that moving around, I'm seeing a lot of, a lot of people who are just working really hard doing their jobs. And, and I'm not seeing a lot of people having a lot of fun. Maybe maybe they're having fun and I just don't see it. But when you think of those glory days, I mean, what do you miss most about being part of the big agency scene? And what could you, what, what, what are you more than happy to be rid of? <laughs> Gordon, that's a tough, tough question. <clears throat> I don't know. It's, uh, if I'm trying to think about, um, you know, how to answer that. That's, that's management, you see. Just go back to the early Rana who would have just said what he thought. Don't worry about management. No one's listening. Just you, me, and about 3,000 listeners. That's all. I don't know. I would say, I'm, in a funny way, I was quite, you know, I came, I wanted to become an accountant and I ended up in the advertising business. So it gives you an idea where I, how well, I got to well, given we did, given that Accenture is now the biggest advertising agency in the world, and they're a bunch of auditors, you know, you could actually make a big comeback here, right? <laughs> Who knows? I just, I don't know. I, I really enjoy people. And and I think had it been a big agency or a small agency where I'd worked, I don't think it would have been different for me as a person. So, yes, it was an environment where you had, in a way, you were still in control of what you were doing. Remember, and Gordon, it's, in, it's a world that you grew up in was media, and media in those days was a you know a five five horse race effectively in a way. You know, you had television, you had radio, you had print. Yep. It was very defined, and and our business was very defined in a way yes. in those days. It wasn't as open ended as it is nowadays, and. The power really sits with the community, with the consumer. In those days, the power sat with the media to a certain extent, and also with um, uh, with the agencies. Yeah, uh, that's the a, that's a very interesting observation. Yeah, and um, and I think in that made it for us a little bit like we became heroes in our own lunch hour. But it was a hell of a good lunch hour, <laughs> yeah, and a long one for that matter. <laughs> <laughs> and a long one for that matter. So yeah. it's quite difficult to say what was, what, why was what we might perceive as so much fun then than if your observation now. And I often hear that, that expression. But, you know, each generation brings its own challenges. I just think we were quite fortunate in a generation where we had a fair amount of control. Uh, and it and it controls a rough word, but it's it's just between us, the the clients, the media. You know, the key the key role players. There was something that clicked, um, and dare I say, it, it, it all started changing when we maybe were going too well, and suddenly somebody woke up one morning and decided, no, this is going too well. We need to disrupt it a little bit, and that's obviously when. The financial market or the financial side really climbed into it and then ultimately procurement yeah. and we know the rest of the history and that's brought very different dimensions into this business 
Yeah, Doc, um, you Doc, and, you were the you know on 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 the end of uh, controlling the margin that the agency got. I mean, life at sixteen and a half percent is a lot more fun than life at eight percent. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And I think you know, I mean, again, I'd lived through both eras, um, Rainer. You know, in in the days where there was enough to go around, and I think also you know, in and you made the point of control, and I think those days, a lot of the work was seen because of the media types uh, today. And the big swinger in the equation is, is the rise and continued rise of digital and the fragmentation of media. You know, so now your piece of work has to really be targeted to be seen. So I think what, that was one of the big changes. And then certainly the whole issue of procurement. And I was, and I said on a previous podcast, um, at the end, from a governance point of view, we had to include procurement, but I never asked them to make a judgment call in terms of an agency because I was buying people, I was buying skills, relationships, IP. I wasn't just buying a, a, a retainer or, or a, a, a fee. You know, that was one factor. That was just the maths. But, I mean, there was a lot of other things that I, uh, I built into the scorecard in terms of, of selecting, keeping, or uh, terminating an agency. Yeah, just... Uh you know, picking up on, on control, you, you talked about uh, the issue of control, that consumers now control what media used to control. So when you think about, you know, sort of marketing a micro environment where you are now, what proportion of your communication, outward communication is direct to consumer? How much of it, and you mentioned you now ranked 15 out of 25 on the, on the appropriate kind of global ranking for places to be. How much of your communication is just literally directed at uh, at digital platforms so i mean you know is is your competitor airbnb for instance or are they a partner yeah i think they facilitate it, airbnb because in a way airbnb have a their footprint gives tourists the opportunity to come and to live in front or visit front Shook and experience the valley and it's all its beautiful um, um, offerings um but yeah, yes, we do use the digital platform is our key is our key platform. First of all, as a, as an organisation, we are we don't have unlimited funds at all. We we really uh, work with very a very restricted uh, uh, income and funds. So you have to leverage with with the resources being human or financial. And, and that makes that makes you focus. And then obviously the digital platform is is the platform, particularly when it also comes to traveling. Because when people do travel or in the hospitality business, their go-to would be the, uh, the the internet, the digital platforms. And and within that, you've also got to focus your resources. So we don't have money to shoot beautiful TV ads and have big hoardings and posters and stuff like that. We we really focus on uh, what's the target channel. So, you know, we'll make sure that our Instagram page is one of the best Instagram pages. And it's proof. If you go and look at our Instagram page, mm. we started with 15,000 followers about 20 months ago. We now have 33, 35,000 followers. So mm. the point is you want to make sure that when you communicate, you communicate correctly. You communicate how your market would like you to see to communicate um, so you have to focus, and digital is our, our key opportunity to to get to the outside world. And then, obviously, we have uh, we use selected bloggers, we uh, um, and influencers that would bring in the valley. We would have uh, 
we consciously have a, a, a few festivals that we run every year. And the festivals aren't just for a lack of job. They, they're there to really bring people into the village. We normally have a festival over two days, which allows people to stay over for the night, to have supper in the restaurants in the evening, so, mm. and then to come back again. But the, but the festival is an enabler um, to that uh, goal. And then we have, um, and the festival might not necessarily be here. It could also be in Johannesburg, where we take Franschhoek to, to Gauteng. Mm. Um, and then um, we also rely a lot on what our members do, because each member has their own communication platform. And one tends to forget often the power of that, is that they also would talk about Franschhoek and communicate that uh, to the outside world. And then you have your normal PR. PR is a very important vehicle as well, particularly if you've got a great story, or you've got excellent product mm. to um, showcase. And we are very fortunate in that we still have, uh, we still shoot the lights out in the best restaurants and the Eat Out Awards. We've again got five restaurants in the top 20, or most of them are in the top 10. And that all adds up to that amazing experience inside the valley. Just a, just a, Last question as we sort of uh, begin the, the wrap up. I mean, you have a micro offering and a micro environment, but you're still subject to to global development. Uh, Doc, I think you mentioned earlier that Corona beer has taken a knock because of the coronavirus. So, mm. did you guys take a knock? I mean, were you victims of day zero? You know, there's no water in in the Cape. Uh, did that have an impact on business? Yeah, definitely. Um, One's it, it, got to remember. It's a key part of anybody who visits. Somebody travels 20,000 kilometers, they want to know that they can shower or swim, mm. um, and particularly if they come in the summer here. So we did have uh, a definitely, uh, the industry did really suffer in terms of the water restrictions. Um, but you still had tourism. It was just that it was a question also of adapting. And you also find out that there are some tourists who understand um, the fact that you might be land up in a country which at that point in time has a has a difficulty and um, if there's a way that they can still obviously enjoy themselves and you help them with that that's fine but you know the fundamental part for us still is uh, is water and electricity mm. um, and we've got the water now the electricity is starting again to play uh, you know it makes life difficult if you're sitting now with nine hours a day of load shedding mm. with, with, at the moment if we're on stage four. Um, people can adapt, but you can adapt to a point because before it starts impacting you on the long run. Um, and now you've got the coronavirus, which is, um, I really feel sorry for the hospitality industry. You know, as you get out of the drought, you get into the electricity and now you're into the, into mm. this situation. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we, uh, what I do think is going to happen here, and I'm preempting it a little bit, but you can see the signs of it and people are writing or also mentioning it. You're going to really have to focus on your immediate market, on your immediate surrounding for, to, to see you through the, yeah, I know we've got some international guests, my only vaad you drift track. You know, you've got to get a way yep. of getting yep. this wagon through the drift. Yep. Yeah. And the point is, you're going to have to rely on your on your immediate surroundings, on your and as a community stand together. So the question for us is going to be, as we approach the cooler months, the 
the June, July, August months, what are we as a community going to do together? Because in the good months, everybody is on their own, which is understandable. But now, how do we stand together and say, come to Franschhoek, it's still a great place, it's safe, you know, etc. And that's obviously, I haven't got the answer yet, but those are the things we have to uh, deal with. Well, Rana, just the last question then. So, I mean, lots of issues were raised. How, how do people get hold of you in your uh, capacity as CEO of the Front Chukwan Valley and Tourism set up down there? Is there a website? Uh, how, what's the best way to get hold of you guys just to pose questions and probe the relationship? Um, yeah, we obviously www.franchhook with an double H just to remind people. Mm. Uh, so it's franchhook.org.za. Um, and then um, we've got our Instagram pages at franchhook underscore SA. Um, and um, yeah, our, those who would love to telephone me, it's uh, on uh, 020 plus 27021. 2861 and my email address address is ceo at za. Thanks, Rana. That's great. And again, you know, like we always say on, on every week's episode of the podcast is to get people involved. You know, here's Rana giving out his details. Please get involved. You know, if you're an international tourist and uh, I know coronavirus is a, is a pandemic globally, but if you're a South African and you're traveling down, if you're in the Cape and you want to go there, Get involved, you know, support local, um, you know, it's a beautiful part of the world. I don't have to sing the praises. Ryan has given you all the stats in terms of restaurants, guest houses, hotels, wineries, etc. Ryan, just as an immediate thing, um, one of your big festivals is Bastille Day, I think, is, is one of the big ones coming up. Is that, uh, well, what time of the year is that? That's in July. I think it's the 11th and 12th of July. Okay. Um always as close as possible to Bastille Day, which is the 14th. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it's a, it's a showcase for the village. Uh, it's not just us as Frontier Wine Valley on tourism. We have a, obviously a very, uh, very big part in that, but it's a, it's a festival in the village. And we have a, a, a marquee with uh, where all the winemakers, all the Frontier winemakers, um, you know, pour wine mm. and, some great Franschhoek festival food and good music. And, um, yeah, so that's our big festival coming up now in, uh, in, in July. In, in the winter. Okay, well, again, you know, just to those South Africans, and, and, I mean, you know, short of me giving a pun to the valley, but, I mean, that's just one of those things to go out and enjoy South Africa, get involved as a corporate. If you want to get involved in sponsoring or being involved, get all the Rhino, you've got all these details. Rana, that's that's it from my side. I think I'm gonna leave Gordon to wrap up. But yeah, thanks. I'm gonna wrap up. Thanks very much for your time. As uh, it's always nice. Just one other thing, uh, and I forgot to say this earlier. This is a call in uh, on Zoom, the internet platform. So if there's a fluctuation in the sound to the listeners out there, that's the reason. Rana's in Frontchik, Gordon and I in the studio in Santon. And again, Rana, from my side, I'm gonna I'm gonna sign off. Leave it to Gordon. But thanks very much, and and we'll chat soon. And the best way to deal with Rana in Franschhoek and studio audience, uh, I mean, or, or sound fluctuation is to actually have another podcast in July in Franschhoek. So uh, just stay online. Uh, just stay online there, Rana. You and I need to chat with the doc about this. Take care. Thanks for coming in. Ciao. Okay. Thanks. Thanks, Gordon. Thanks. Bye-bye. Cheers.
And so that was another episode of The Doc and the Guru. Please don't uh, forget to get a hold of us on Facebook, like us, follow us, uh, subscribe to the podcast. And then from my side, you can get a hold of me on LinkedIn, Dr. Doug Mataz. I'm uh, very active and very keen to hear about your views uh, and certainly will respond. And hopefully we can bring that into the show. Thanks, Doc. And it's uh, Gordon Miller, the Guru, signing off. Thank you for being with us and listening into this podcast today. You can pick up the discussion with me on my Twitter handle, at Mzanzi Media. And I'd love to engage with you on any of the issues that we've taken on in the show. And take us at our word. This is really going to be an open forum. There are no subjects that are taboo. And we'd love to have some of the younger, more under-listened, if that's the correct phrase, uh, voices to join us uh, in this discussion. Thanks for your time. The Dark and the Guru, proudly brought to you by Infinity Media, incubating innovative businesses in the media industry.